They don't really share externally. They're not blogging. They're not on LinkedIn. They're not speaking. Um, they're not prolific out there. They're just holding all their expertise kind of for their teams. If you're a thought leader, you're out there doing all of that. You've got that credibility. You've got those new ideas. You're sharing, you're writing, you're speaking, you're on social media, you're on podcasts, you're out on a lot of channels in a lot of different ways, which is how people start to get to know you. Welcome to Reputation Revolution. This is the podcast where we help individuals like you to establish your voice in the marketplace, enhance the credibility of that voice, extend the reach of your story and your message, and finally, extract value from your efforts in building a meaningful personal brand that's both recognized and respected. Now, on with the show. Thanks for joining us here on the Reputation Revolution. My name is Trevor. It's brought to you by the Credible Authority Academy. Uh, this is the podcast, podcast, sorry, where we discuss and dissect and pick apart all elements associated with building a genuine and sustainable thought leader brand in today's reputation economy. Now, one of the most misunderstood concepts out there in the business world is thought leadership. Uh, we use it, we throw the term around all the time. What exactly is a thought leader? And what is thought leadership? And what's, how do they differ to experts? And does it really matter? Uh, to help me throw some fuel on the thought leadership fire, I shouldn't have tried to get that bit right, the thought leadership fire, we have with us Ashley Foss uh, from San Francisco. Hello. How are you? Yes, yes. Calling in from, uh, well, I guess I should clarify, you know, if you think people get twitchy about thought leaders versus experts, try telling someone in the Bay Area that you live in San Francisco if you don't live in San Francisco. So actually, I live in Mountain View, um, but it's about 45 minutes south of San Francisco. But yeah, people get very upset if you do not, in fact, live in the city proper. Oh, really? Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> well, you, you're, a, uh, you're Director of Integrated Product Marketing at Atlassian, which is a very successful Australian company, uh, which I'm pleased to say. Uh, the two founders, I think, still live in Sydney, don't they? Are they they're still they do. Sydney? They do. Yep. Yeah. They're still in, uh, in Sydney. So are you in HQ or is Sydney HQ? So we actually, I'm in, uh, we've got our U.S. headquarters in the Bay Area, and then um, we've got, you know, Sydney HQ. That was the original kind of founding place. So we've got a nice big office in Sydney and then a couple of offices around uh, the world, actually. So, yep, I'm in, in U.S. HQ uh, in the Bay Area. Excellent. Now, Ashley has uh, popped up on my radar in, in recent times on LinkedIn. She's posting some real, uh, I, I think, thought-provoking stuff on the platform. Along with the odd picture of cakes, you can, you, you, there's some cakes that come up, or you might discuss that. Before we delve into our topic proper today though, Ashley, can you just tell me what's your philosophical approach to LinkedIn currently? Um, you, you're very active in terms of you know, posting into the feed, but also very active on the comments. What do you like about LinkedIn? Is it working for you on a professional level? Where, where are you seeing LinkedIn at the moment? Yeah. So I am very active on LinkedIn. It is my favorite social media platform currently. So I lurk a little bit on Instagram, Facebook. I barely touch these days. Um, I'm kind of terrible at Twitter. Like the reason I like LinkedIn is because it's perfect for what I would call mid form content. So I don't really have time to be writing 2000 to 5,000 words, you know, a week, but I'm kind of terrible at threads. Like I think longer than 280 characters. And so LinkedIn is a really nice balance of that for me to be able to 
write things in depth and cover them. Um, and then I also get a chance to meet awesome people like you. So um, Trevor, I'm trying to remember who introduced us on LinkedIn. Was it maybe Michelle um, uh, J. Raymond? Michelle Raymond, I think. Yeah, Michelle I Ryman. think it was Michelle. So yeah, and, and I find that I get like the quality of conversations and the quality of expertise that I get to engage with on LinkedIn is really good. So for me personally, um, yeah, it's working really well. I'm meeting great people. Um, I'm getting to have cool conversations. I get, you know, folks reach out for jobs that Lassian is hiring, which is great. I get invited to do podcasts and speaking gigs, um, which is really great. So for me, LinkedIn is going well. I know there's a lot of folks who are like, oh, it's just spam or oh, my feed is terrible. And I'm like, I don't know which feeds you're hanging out in because my feed is pretty awesome. So, well, you've got to curate your feeds too. There are ways to do that, but that, that means we'll have a whole, <laughs> a whole podcast episode on, on LinkedIn. But um, you did, you did the, I loved it that you posted uh, some photos of cakes, which I, I clearly think that you 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 cooked up and um and there's there's a thing on on linkedin at the moment versus personal stuff versus business stuff and there's a bit of a divide what do you see about that because I, yeah. I like you you basically said come at me i'm putting yeah this is the post i'm putting it up whether you like it or not uh what's your I thing did, on I this did. divide at the moment of uh that's you know put keep your facebook stuff on facebook from my perspective, we bring our whole selves to work all the time. Yep. Um, I don't leave Jim Ashley at home. Jim Ashley comes to the office with me. I pick up, you know, boxes to help with swag at trade shows. And I can do that because I lift weights and I have muscles. Um, baking, I actually picked up during quarantine, which I know a lot of people did. And, and COVID kind of changed a lot of routines. I bring those cakes to my colleagues in the office sometimes. And we have cake and conversation. So, okay, if you really need me to tie this into the office, great. Let's talk about teamwork. Um, I actually think that there's a lot of content and marketing uh, crossover in baking. I, I posted something about, you know, basically uniting the two. So I do usually try, even if I share something more personal to tie it into something with work, but this nonsense that like, Oh, marketing is the only acceptable thing to talk about because you know, you're a marketer. And if you talk about fitness or theater, I'm like, you want to talk about knowing your audience? I embody these characters. I, I step into their shoes. Let's talk about theater and how that has equipped me to do public speaking or has equipped me to have audience empathy. Like to me, it's a narrow box. If you can't find some sort of connection between the things that you do quote unquote personally and the things that you do, you know, quote unquote professionally for your job. So I agree there can be you know, boundaries, but I think each person needs to set that for themselves. And I think that as you curate your feed, you can find that balance of what you consume that you consider to be personal and what you share that you consider to be personal. Yeah, it's, it's, um, there used to be a, a saying going back in the early days of social media in the dark days when the dark days were really good days, actually. Um, and there was the, the professional, personal and private and the professional and personal yep. were all open slather and only you decide what's private. And sure, there's a lot yeah. of private stuff being shared on LinkedIn, and I think that's probably the aspect people are getting antsy about. Um, I don't think it's the personal stuff, it's the private stuff that probably should be kept private. Anyway, I might have to get you back on when we talk LinkedIn again. So, but uh, I want to unpack yeah. the- Oh, I have opinions about LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to unpack the what you talk about, um, you know, thought leaders and the 
what you called before pillars of thought leadership. Uh, but before we get into that, can we talk about just as an overview, what's what's the difference then between just a thumbnail sketch, what you see as an overview between a th what's a thought leader, an expert, and an influencer? They're all sure. big topics. <laughs> so big topics, indeed. I'll, I'll give the four pillars because that is going to uh, affect okay. what I say about okay. influencers, Perfect. thought leaders, and subject matter experts. So the four pillars are credibility, profile, prolific, and depth of ideas. And this makes sense, right? If you're gonna be a thought leader or an influencer or a subject matter expert, you gotta have smart ideas and people need to know who you are um, at, a, at a core level. Um, and the balance of how much people know you or how deep your ideas go, that's where you start to see the difference between those three. Yep. So from my perspective, a thought leader has to be high in all of those pillars. They have to have strong credibility. They have to be well-known in their fields. They have to have a big profile. They have to be prolific, right? They have to be sharing their ideas. How else are they gonna build that following? How else are they gonna you know, help people to understand their ideas? How are they gonna build that credibility if they're not prolific? Yep. And then finally, they have to have that strong depth of ideas. So they have to be adding to the conversation. They have to be changing the conversation. So if we look at someone who's an influencer, they probably have a big profile, but in a lot of cases, they don't really have that strong depth of ideas. They're not iterating, um, and they may be credible in their niche. Like if you think about um, like lifestyle influencers, for example, like outfit of the day on Instagram influencers, that's what a lot of people think of as an influencer. Obviously, they do have some credibility because they have all these followers and they are making money selling clothes or purses or shoes or whatever the thing is. Um, but that's not new. They're not making the clothes, yep. you know, they're not influencing where the fashion industry is going. They're just buying things and wearing cute outfits, right? Yep. Um, you can even see that in kind of that influencer status with industry influencers. Like who are the people that are just really good speakers, for example? And so they constantly get up and you're like, okay, but you're not saying anything new. You're just yeah. quoting examples from other people that are doing things, right? But they're well-known, they're motivational, people listen to them, but they aren't actually adding or changing the conversation. Um, in another kind of on, in contrast, experts have really strong credibility. They've got a ton of expertise in the field. They probably have strong depth of ideas actually because they know so much that they're able to come up with new solutions to problems in their field, but they're not really prolific and they're not well known. And I think of this almost like the folks that I work with internally. Um, I work with a lot of engineers and devs. These are smart people. They are smart. They know their craft. They know their field. They understand the problem space. They understand the solution space. And they can actually come up with, you know, new solutions to solve problems or they, they can point out problems and come up with a solution, right? But they don't really share externally. They're not blogging. They're not on LinkedIn. They're not speaking. Um, they're not prolific out there. They're just holding all their expertise kind of for their teams. If you're a thought leader, you're out there doing all of that. You've got that credibility. You've got those new ideas. You're sharing, you're writing, you're speaking, you're on social media, you're on podcasts, you're out on a lot of channels in a lot of different ways, which is how people start to get to know you. Yeah, it's, um, thanks for sharing that because it's, there's, you know, and there's a lot of crossover too. And I, I think some people might sit back and say, well, what is, what does it actually matter? And I think it does matter from a, you know, if you want to aspire to build a personal brand-based business, for example, or, you, you know, the leader of a business or an entrepreneur or whatever, and you want to get on in life professionally, 
then it's actually good to know kind of what lane you're in. Um, and I, I sort of teach this now because it's, I look at it through the lens of content. I've been, you know, for about, I think, eight or nine years, been looking at this sort of thing through the lens of content first versus expert bill versus visionary, which I'm going to get into later. Uh, an author called and, uh, Andrew Davis talks about leaving expert bill and going to visionary town. So if we've got time, we'll discuss that. But, I, you know, most when you look at content, you come from a content background, you know, in the content marketing world, it's very much around utility content and being useful and helpful and addressing people's uh, information gaps and their pain points, blah, 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 you know, and, and that's a really good place to start. No one ever went wrong being useful and helpful. And then, but I've always talked about to really differentiate yourself, you need to do leadership content. And, and when I unpack that, it's kind of, that's probably taking us more down the thought leadership path, path because people don't know what they don't know. You want to inspire them, challenge them, provoke them, uh, maybe, uh, you know, Seth Godin is a classic example. He's not sitting there worrying about your pain points. He's slapping you around the face with a, a dead fish, metaphorically <laughs> speaking. Yeah. Um, and those are the two, you know, and some people were happy to stay in, in the utility and become best in breed and best practice and this is what it is and, and, and they can create content around it. The thought leaders are probably going to be connecting dots and looking around corners and and exploring things in public. So that's the way I've always described it. So I, was, I loved when you, you came up with this framework of credibility profile, prolific and depth of ideas because, and we can go into each of those, but um, I think that that's, there, there's there's no right or wrong necessarily. And then, you know, well, this is not dissing experts, but I think, you know, a lot of people call themselves thought leaders when they're anything but. And I think it's really handy to aspire, you know, you'd never call yourself a thought leader, but you're going to aspire to a thought leadership uh, branding or positioning. Um, can we then, that was just my little rant. <laughs> uh, is there, does that, does I agree. That, I love all of this. Yeah. Um, because I think there's, um, you know, if you want to, I think if you want to build, carve out a thought leadership positioning, and these are the reasons why, and you're that you're wired that way because I think there are people who are really good and they connect dots and and they're being told no but you've got a niche and you've got to you can't explore these other ideas and it, it blows them up um, and whereas an expert you know they're, they're lucky that they've got their lane and if they go deeper than anyone else in their lane um, then they, they're going to be better known and get more gigs and stuff so I think there's bonuses for both in in terms of that. So let's go through the four pillars of thought leadership. We'll, we'll put influences to one side because, um, you know, because we can. And um, and just look at the, the two um, because I think yep. a takeaway for listeners is where do you kind of sit between one or the two? And I will say there are examples of people who, who really do both. Um, um, press me on it, I'll, I'll come up with a name on that. But uh, credibility, profile, prolific, depth of ideas. Let us into your world. Thought leader, expert, in terms of credibility, where do they, they sort of sit? Is there, how do you describe that? Sure. So I actually think that the key difference between the two really lies in the profile and prolific pillars. I think that both can have strong credibility. Yep. I think that um, the way I lay out the framework, if I was to you know walk someone through it, there's basically three levels. And so if you're you know level one, level two, level three, 
at the highest level, you know, if you're at the highest level across all four pillars, like, okay, wow, you are that visionary thought leader. You're, you know, you're known and you're doing all the, like you're heavily influencing the industry, right? If you're at that first, like sad level of all of them, it's like, oh, you're not doing anything. You're not an expert. You're not a thought leader. Like you're not doing anything, right? So you want to grow in each pillar. I don't actually think that you have to get to the very top to be an effective thought leader or to be an effective expert. There are plenty of people who are making a lot of money for themselves, a lot of money for their teams, and a lot of money for their companies being experts internally. And I think that's great. That's great for everybody. The company gets what they need by having you as an expert. You, if you're the expert, get what you need in terms of you know, career success, providing for your family, et cetera. That's a great place to be. The key is when you start to get to that thought leader piece, that's where you're starting to have that external influence. And then obviously the flip side, you can't have that kind of external influence if you don't have that strong depth of ideas. So you have to be an expert in your craft. But to your point, you do have to be making those connections, driving those conversations forward, changing it in some way, not just going all the way down the rabbit hole in one area. Um, So I actually think the credibility pillar is not a key differentiator between the two. I would say it's more about being prolific and having that... Uh, profile would be the the key differences between those two. And I think, I think sometimes people, for the people that want to be thought leaders, they kind of think that experts are, you know, like lesser than, or they are like, oh, experts. Like even that sense of leave expertville, become a visionary. I don't actually know that you have to be a visionary to be a happy, successful, wealthy, impactful person, you know, but again, for yourself or for your company or business, whatever it is. Right. So I don't necessarily think I would juxtapose them that way as much as I would say, you know, what are you tilted toward? Do you make those connections? Are you doing novel things? Are you trying to have more external influence? Or if you want to stay more private and be that internal expert and become the go-to person for a very small cohort of people, that's totally fine. I think where we get in trouble is where we insist that experts must go external and they must push toward thought leadership, or you've got thought leaders who are nonsense. They aren't actually thought leaders running around claiming that they're thought leaders. And it's like, okay, you have no depth of ideas. You're not an expert. Like, how do I trust what you're saying in this field when you've been in, you know, especially like early career people, it's like, oh, I've been in marketing for one year. I am a marketing thought leader. No, you're not. You don't know about marketing, right? Like, have you built a business? Have you built a following? No. You don't know marketing, right? So I think that there's there's elements on both sides of that. No, that's a fair call, and I think the um, and I agree that you know credibility you, it goes across both. I mean, credible credibility is is I think the key because you earn it, um, you build upon it, you reinforce it, and you know credibility and trust are you know two major currencies today in the professional world. Yeah. And depth of ideas will clearly you know, the ideas when you're connecting dots and you're looking around corners and looking at trends and uh, exploring ideas in public, which I think a thought leader does. Um, whereas yeah. with the expert, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, their lane is probably a little bit more narrow. They've got, they, know, they understand best practice, new things come into that sphere, uh, and then they update their knowledge all the time. I think um, just going back to the expertville versus visionary town from Andrew Davison. Uh, Andrew's a wonderful speaker and he's an author and I, I, you know, he's a genuine, I believe he's a genuine thought leader in his own right. But 
you know, he's exploring this concept in public, and that's a great example of a thought leader at work. Um, his, I think his notion, though, and I, I kind of agree with it to a degree, that um, expertise is becoming commoditised, and because you can learn anything and you can go to Google or YouTube and pretty much you can become, an, in air quotes, an expert uh, in, in a lot of things, uh, medicine and health and astrophysics notwithstanding. But they, um, you know, if, you, if you're going down that path, that the commoditization, I just think that if you want to stand out as an expert, it's just a little bit harder, I would say, brand, personal branding wise, to do that because you've got so much more competition. Whereas I think with thought leadership, there's a little less competition in that respect. That's probably the way I'd, I'd look at it is, does that sort of resonate? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the other thing too, um, both of them take a lot of work. I think they take different oh, yeah. work. Yeah. The, you know, thought leadership being out there. And I would say, you know, I, according to my own framework, I'm not a thought leader, which is fine, but it takes a lot of work. Like I would love to get to that point, but that means that I have to do a lot of extra work. Not only do I have to keep up with my field, keep up with my job, like actually be successful in my personal career. I now have to shape that in a way that other people can learn from it in a way that it, it starts new conversations in the market. It's not just, Hey, I ran this campaign and it worked really well for me. Good luck. Yeah. No, I have to frame this up in a way, and, it, and again, it's funny sometimes when I talk about some of the frameworks I've created, and people are like, okay, so step by step, exactly how do you do this? And I'm like, well, I've given, I've actually given quite a bit of detail and guidelines that you can follow, but like, it's, it's not like as soon as you hit your 5,000 and once follower that now you're a thought leader. Like, whoa, it's not that hardcore, you know? And I think that, that, presenting things in a way that other people can build on them and that, that can be influenced by them, like that's really hard. And so I think that, I guess that's what I would say is that, you know, you're right, that expertise is becoming commoditized. You can look anything yep. up. Um, there is a place for people who do have that deep expertise. And again, I think they can be very successful, but when you're going to be a thought leader, you have to have that external presence and sharing and shaping and, that is a lot of extra work that I think a lot of people, once they realize how much effort that is, they're like, you know, I'm doing real good in my career. My company's doing real good. My team's doing real good. I think I'm just gonna, gonna enjoy this success. And that's fine. That's that, again, I, it, it sounds like I'm hating on it. I'm really not because I would say that I'm, I'm not at the, you know, I would probably put myself in that expert category right now. Um, and I'm doing the hard work to try to say, okay, how can I become a thought leader given that I do have that expertise and I do have that credibility? Okay, I have to get more well-known. I have to be out there. My depth of ideas has to go from just a marketing practitioner influencing other marketing practitioners and saying, okay, how does this apply to other business leaders or other industries, those kinds of things? I'll give the example of Joanna Penn I just said a minute ago that some people can straddle both. And I think, you know, thought leaders are generally expert in an area as well, but they just, I think that they, they will see different things. They see the world differently. They'll come up with a framework or an idea and they'll might, but they'll push it out there as well. I mean, they explore them in different, 
in, 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 in public. And if you look at the old school, um, again, air quotes, <laughs> um, the old school uh, thought leader, they used to be the speaker and the author and pontificating from the stage and it was all about them and their ideas. The new thought leader um, is someone who might probably, probably is a speaker, probably at some point will become an author, uh, but if not an author, certainly you know, blogging about their ideas and uh, with a bit of depth. But they, they're, they're sharing them and they're taking people along for the journey and, um, you know, and they're listening. And it's as much about the following, getting involved in their online following, getting involved in the topic um, than it is about you know, them pontificating from a soapbox. I like uh, Joanna Penn uh, is, lives in England and she, uh, her P-E-N-N, -P and fantastically named because she's about writing. So um, she, if you want to, anyone check her out, she's the creative pen online. She's got a very long running podcast. She blogs, she does everything. She's brilliant. So she's someone who promotes the concept of authorpreneur. So making, building a business around your writing. And she is the author and she's done stacks of books, fiction, stacks of books, nonfiction. So the, her non-fiction stuff actually is the real utility, teaching, she's an expert, she's done it time and time and time and time again and you know, refined her ideas and her frameworks and then she teaches that. But she's also a bona fide thought leader, she's being asked to speak at conferences and on a podcast she talks about NFTs and the future of publishing and uh, Web3 and audio, where the audio is going and she's looking around corners and she's pushing boundaries and she's connecting dots and, and, and a classic example, you don't have to be one or the other, one feeds the conversation and then she probably makes and builds the following and she probably makes the money out of, out of the, the utility and the expertise. Um, so yeah. the creative pen, Joanna Penn, uh, if you're interested in writing, definitely worth checking her out, but just she's worth looking at to see that how you can straddle those those two sides and it's not necessarily one way or the yeah. other but I think for sanity's sake uh, do you think it's good to you know what I want to be great at this thing I'm going to stay up to date with best practice I'm going to you know this is how you do this so I'm going to become a teacher um, that's that sits in expertville I suppose I think that sits in expertville I mean I think the other reason why I know some people might be listening and saying like, this is just semantics, it doesn't matter. And I think where, where it does matter is it does influence, particularly when you start getting into, you know, I come from a business to business, software as a service, right? And so I, we're selling to other businesses. And what I hear frequently, I used to be in startups before this, is people say, oh, the, we need to do some thought leadership for the founder. And I'm like, okay. What is this thought leadership going to be about? Well, you know, about why our product is the best. Oh, oh you're going to do sales content. Like, yeah. you, you want to put the founder's name on sales content? No, no. If it's the founder, it's thought leadership. And I'm like, okay, again, you don't do thought leadership for the, either the founder has thoughts that they want to share or you are going to do marketing about your product. Those are not the same. And what I would say too, when people think about experts, it's the same type of thing. Oh, we need an expert to come in and do the thought leadership. Yeah. Okay, what are they going to talk about? Well, 
they know the product inside and out. Once again, they're going to teach somebody how to use the product or implement the product. And that's great. Yep. We need to do that. We want an expert to do that. But I think that being intentional about the language that you use flows down into the tone of the asset, the channel that you, distri you, know, you distribute it on, the audience that it's meant to be consuming it, the action that you want them to take. If you want someone to purchase someone something, it's not thought leadership. That's purchasing. That's buy intent content. If you want someone to use, you know, the product or tool or whatever it is, that's that's using the product or tool. That's not thought leadership. And so I think that that it does matter in terms of the language because that flows all the way through the process of creation, distribution, consumption, and action that you want from that audience. And what is the value to them? And so I do think that that it's, it's not just semantics. Um, it does matter. And you use them in different ways, right? Like putting an expert on, call it the TED, you know, the TED stage, the main TED stage. If they stand up and just start sharing about, you know, the history of whatever their industry is and how they fit into it and the whole, that's not the place for them to do that. Versus if you put a thought leader, quote unquote, into call it customer support and they're like, what if we think about how might we do this thing, right? The customer's going to be like, no, my freaking product is broken. I need you to fix it right now. And then you've got a thought leader pontificating about like, what is the future of this problem set even at all? Like, it's very mismatched. And so you do need to understand, you know, again, it's not just semantics. It's like, no, what does this person, what value are they providing to the audience? That matters. I love that because, you know, people, and because the concept of thought leadership and personal branding and all of that stuff has been bastardized within an inch of its life, um, it's very easy to see why cynics say, you know, they, they say what it is, they, they dismiss the concept, but, but in dismissing the concept, they miss out on the opportunities. Um, that come with that and 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 to my mind personal branding sits at the heart of it and and then the thought leadership or the expert um, Positioning or identity falls falls out of that, but it does matter and and I agree It's not it, it does on the surface sound semantics, but if you do dig in you know people People need cognitive shortcuts too, don't they? They, you know, they don't sit there and say, "Oh, that person's a thought leader." But if that person is consistently doing thought leadership things, then they're more likely to follow them and to get involved. And you know, if they can, if changing people, changing the way people think about a topic or an issue can be really important. Otherwise, we all just go through life and we, you know, we we don't change the way we think about things. And that's why thought leaders are important. Um, they're interesting beasts. They get stuff out there. They're the, they write the books often. Um, they, they get up and speak and draw people in um, while being hopefully humble at the same time. I think that that's, that's really critical. But if you were you know, planning your professional personal brand, you know, you'll go around in circles if you say, oh, I just want to stick in this one lane and, um, and you, know, you want to be a thought leader, but I need to join a few dots and I need to think bigger and I reckon it'll save you a lot of time if if you kind of are aspiring to one or the other and uh, I think that that's you know we, we, we want to make sure that we've uh, 
we've got purpose and direction with our personal branding efforts, I suppose I'm trying to say, um, with your profile and prolific, yeah. as you say. You want to build your profile, you have to be prolific. That means creating content, engaging on social media. And if you're all over the shop, then you just muddy the waters and makes life difficult for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one thing. If you look at, I mean, I'm struggling with this for myself right now, actually. Um, I'm My LinkedIn profile is a little probably not best practice because I'm like, I don't want to have to pick a lane, right? Um, you see some people that have very clear headlines that, you know, I'm a B2B copywriter or I am a, you know, software engineer who optimizes zero to one startup scale-ups or whatever the thing is, right? That's a lot of buzzwords. But if you know exactly who you are and you're like, this is the thing I want to do, branding yourself as an expert in that thing. And I see this a lot with people too. They think that they have to tell their entire story. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You can pick the parts of your story that you want to be known for in the future or that you want to do more of. So if you want to be an expert, again, I I talk about myself from a marketing standpoint. I've done a lot of different types of marketing, including event marketing. I don't like event marketing. I'm not good at event marketing. Don't hire me for event marketing, right? I can staff events. I can do it, but it's not the strongest part of my skill set, and it's not what I want to be known for and do in the future. And so I intentionally try very little to talk about event marketing because that's not where I want to be and that's not what I want people to, to come to me for. And so I see a lot of people thinking, okay, well, I've done events and I've done email and I've done uh, content and I've done social and I actually, I can, I mean, we've got Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm like, you can, if you only want to do LinkedIn, you can be the LinkedIn articles person. Like you can make that your niche. Yep. Um, I would say, yes, if you do want to be a thought leader, you're going to need probably more than that very specific, you know, LinkedIn articles niche. Um, but you can pick the parts of your story that define you going forward so that you attract the right audience, you attract the right opportunities, you attract the right content, you know, collaborations and consumption. Um, you know, if you find that what's coming to you is not what you want okay, look at what you're putting out there that make people think this is a thing that you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I've Every so often I'll have something that just comes out of left field and I'm like, what? Why would you ask me to talk about that? And then I realize I'm like, oh, that one random LinkedIn post or, oh, they found my Instagram, right? My Instagram is, is personal. I rarely post there. I post like cakes, right? So if I got people coming to me and be like, hello, I wish to buy a cake. It's like, I don't sell cakes? Why do you think that? And it's like, oh, you saw my Instagram feed, right? I can figure out how they got that impression. But if you come to me for, you know, content strategy, social media strategy, talking about thought leadership, then I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You're, you're the right type of person and you're ready to have the right type of conversation that I want to have. Yeah. And it's, that's spot on. Um, Because the more you create content around a certain topic, that's what you become known for. Um, and if you want exactly. to be known as the expert and the credible expert at that, um, then you focus on, you know, those topics and, but you stay up to date, you still stay up to date and right. still push boundaries of thought around that. Um, the, yeah. the, the, the thought leaders that I know, the genuine ones that I, I think, I don't know are you born or made that one, I don't know, but they're, they're, they, ex- and I've got had them as clients. They explore, oh, but I want to talk about this and, and this. And 
What I try and do is try and find a way to make it a little bit more cohesive without knocking the edges off them all because often they can draw parallels between different industries um, and they're just widely read and they're interested in other things. It just happens to be that way and that's why you know you might they might be known for this over a period of time and then they move to a different type of you know if you look at someone like I don't know, Jay Bear, who's was big on social media and then content and now customer experience and but they all layer into each other. I think it's when you're known for, you know, being a, I, I talk about spheres of conversation. What are the what are the conversations you want to lead or the public conversations you want to lead or be part of and, and you start at quite a broad topic and then you bring the conversation down into your areas of interest and, and, and expertise. But you know, if you look at if you were doing something like that and then going completely different and and off the charts and talking about, you know, space and marketing and then something else and then something else and they're all different, then that's when it gets can be confusing to people. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you've read uh, range. Sorry? Yeah. Have you read um, Range by David Epstein? No, I haven't. So the, I think the subtitle of the book is uh, why generalists win in a specialist world or like why generalists succeed in a specialist world. And I read that book and I was like, yes, thank you. Finally, the value of generalists. Um, and he talks about that, about, you know, the, the interconnectedness between some of these disparate experiences. Yep. And I think that that's one thing, even just going back to the very beginning where you and I were talking about LinkedIn and that personal and professional and from my perspective, from what, you know, my content strategy framework, which is like a sub framework within thought leadership, basically about, you know, okay, how do you get prolific? Well, you need a content strategy. Okay. Well, how do I do that? Well, let's talk about content depths, right? So my number, my go-to example for the content strategy framework is a fitness example. Most people understand, you know, basically about health and fitness, about, you know, exercise and nutrition. And so that is my go-to example as the generic example for a content strategy at different depths. So there you go. I can connect fitness directly, right? Again, the theater stuff. I can connect that directly to audience empathy, marketing, understanding your audience, yep. you know, how they walk, how they talk, motivation. The cake baking. I can make some very strong parallels between that cake baking and, you know, thought leadership or branding or content strategy or social media, right? So I think... The, the struggle, to your point, becomes when things are so far flung, I, I would be hard-pressed to make connections to space travel and content strategy or thought leadership or social media strategy, but I can very easily do that with the, the things that, for me, are part of who I am and skills that I have. Mm. Um, I also do kiteboarding. I have struggled to connect kiteboarding. I've tried a few times. It never lands well uh, to try to connect kiteboarding into marketing um, or content strategy. I tried it. It failed. I was like, oh, maybe it's just this one. No, I've tried it two or three times. My audience does not like that. Great. I don't, I don't talk about that versus fitness, cakes, theater. All of those have resonated with my audience. And so I think there's even some experimentation. Thought leaders are willing to say they're wrong. They're willing to update their thoughts. Yeah. They're willing to say, you know what? I was, I was a step or two ahead and I was wrong. Or, hey, I have been doing this for 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, whatever it is. What I thought a decade ago is no longer correct. I've updated 
my mindset. And so I think that's the other big thing is you have to be willing to test that out to see how strong those ties are. And if they're weak, totally fine. Let it go. Distance yourself from it. But you can't just be so married to, I've, I've done this one thing, narrow blinders for 10 years, and this is the way it has to be. You're not going to be a thought leader. And I would argue we wouldn't be an expert if you have that mindset. You, you know, both experts and thought leaders have to keep updating their knowledge. And I think what you've just unpacked there is around showing your personality. And uh, that's just a human thing to build human connection. And, and you know, you don't necessarily have to tie, uh, what was it, kite surfing, kite, kite surfing? to uh kiteboarding kiteboarding to to actually to marketing but it is you know part of your your remit and uh and you know if if you sat there and you know taught people how to do it then that's a different ball game but just every now and then you drop that personal stuff in um because that makes you a bit different it was interesting i did say about well we both said that you know how do you tie space travel with marketing and i remember uh you might know of David Meeman Scott, the, the author of The New Rules of Marketing and PR and, and a, a former guest on this show. And he wrote a book called Marketing the Moon. <laughs> and uh, he's got a big interest in space travel. And uh, he actually has. He, he's, he's talked about how the moon was marketed, the, the trip to the moon was marketed and how NASA used to um, create their own public information office. And, um, and, the, and, the, and they were the media company. They were giving all the media yeah. in the early days. So this whole content marketing thing yeah. is so not new, as we know. Uh, but uh, I thought I'd better throw that in because uh, you actually can do Yeah. So. Well, I guess I should, I should be clear in my language. I'm saying I would struggle to connect space travel and marketing. Yeah. But that's not to say that anyone no. couldn't I, do I, it. I actually, uh, it's I just actually, for me personally. Yeah, I actually did say <laughs> the general we could not do it, and uh, but some someone has. So yep, yep. But, but, but no, no, David Meerman Scott of all the people is an excellent person to to tackle that. That's right, and and so I think that you add those layers, and that takes him from being a, you know a you know person who's strong in content and marketing. Now he's starting to talk about leadership. I I mean we're still in the the same sort of person, but I always I reckon my go to example of a thought leader is uh, Mark Schaefer, uh, who was a corporate marketing guy and now he's he's built a you know a sustainable business enterprise around his personal brand. And you know he started on as he wrote books on Twitter and social media and then it's become yeah. content and personal branding and leadership and he's done essays on leadership and, and the challenging times we live in and evolution, 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 evolution. And when he put out an article yeah. Uh, a number of years ago, which is probably t turning out to be correct, uh, on content shock. And, you know, he's not sitting there helping uh, marketers with their ideas and their content. He's actually challenging them, saying content shock is going to hit us. It's it's already happening. And, yeah. um, and, and that got shared everywhere. And, uh, you know, he built... And then he tried to find, crack the code to it, and then he um, he wrote a book yeah. about it. Um, and I think that's another thing that yeah. a thought leader does is that they they see the problem and then and they highlight it and they discuss it and they lead the conversation around it. They might not have a solution to it, 
but it'll eat away at them until they can work something out and maybe create a framework around. And, and, and so he's my sort of go-to, whereas I look at someone like Andy yeah. Crestodina, who's a, a top digit and, you know, I'm in marketing and PR and comms, so I'm going to gravitate to those people. Yeah. But Andy Crestodina, um, also been on the show and, and we, we discussed this topic briefly, but, you know, he's a, such an expert in digital marketing and SEO and, and all the parallels yeah. in that. And, you know, he's, yeah. he's not... You know, he doesn't consider himself a thought leader, he's, you know, at all. Um, he said so on the podcast, yeah. but, you know, he's my go-to yeah. expert in all things digital marketing, and that's fantastic as well. So there's a, no right or wrong yeah. if this is the message. I hope, I don't know if we've, that's been clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny, I almost think that most of the folks that, uh, if you ask them to call themselves thought leaders, most of them would say they're not. Yep. Um, which is almost, I, I'm not quite ready to say like tongue in cheek that, you know, the first, the first rule of being a thought leader is that we don't call ourselves thought leaders, right? Like, you know, fight club style, but the number of people, again, I, Mark Schaefer, even you would probably ask him like, Mark, are you a thought leader? And he'd be like, Oh, well, not really. I'd say I'm an expert. You know, these are thought leaders over here. Right. So if you look at the people who are self-proclaiming that they are thought leaders, uh, maybe be skeptical and for the folks that are kind of almost brushing off that title because they know they have more to learn and yep. more growth those are almost the folks that you'd be like let's dig in on that are you certain that you're not a thought leader which is why you know um i tried to put in some markers like very specific markers um so that people could feel like they're making progress because it feels bad if you're like the goalposts keep moving and it's like no at some point you really are you know, pushing the boundaries of what your field is doing or what your craft is doing. Um, and it's not just that you have that core expertise, it's that you really are leading the way. Um, again, Mark, Mark is a perfect example. His content is great. Um, and, and again, Andy is per like, I love Andy. Like if you need an SEO something, Andy Crestedina, he's, he's your guy. He's your guy. Um, so yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah let's try and wrap a bow up into this big conversation. Um, and thank you for sharing all your, all your ideas and wisdom there, Ashley. Um, I'll send, I'll put a, a link in the show note to your LinkedIn article on the four pillars of thought leadership. So credibility, profile, prolific, depth of ideas. Uh, and you've got a framework there. I think it's worth people looking to see, maybe find out where you sit. <laughs> uh, but, but in, in uh, I guess in summary that, it, it does matter. I mean, yes, on the surface, it sounds like semantics and, you know, there's a lot of jargon and does it really matter? But I think that it's really what you aspire to be and to give yourself some clarity and purpose. Um, so, and, and I'm talking about more like the people who are interested in pushing themselves professionally and to put themselves out there. And, and you know, we have the imposter syndrome, which affects so many more people. And the more credible people are, often the more imposter syndrome they have. And uh, I'm all about, you know, cutting through this. There's a sea of noise and mediocrity. And, and if you want to cut through, um, you know, to have impact with your ideas and your thoughts and or your expertise and to be able to package that up and communicate that out there in the marketplace. And it's a good idea to know kind of where you sit and, and, and moving on from, from that uh, accordingly. So any sort of final wrap up out of all that, do you reckon we've solved the problems of the world in this regard? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. In this, in this, you know, forty-five minutes, we have definitely we've solved it. We've got it situated. Um, no, I think that there's there's always room for improvement. Whether you're an expert, you know, uh, an influencer, a thought leader, I think that that each of those has their place. And so I think just to your point, knowing where you sit, knowing where you want to be, understanding how you're adding value, um, that is the big key, and making sure that all of the ideas and you know, actions that flow from kind of choosing a label or aspiring to choose a certain label. That's the real key. It's less about like, ah, I need to be very nitpicky with my language and more about, okay, I need to be very nitpicky about the value that I provide to my audience. Yep, spot on. And and I will just say, uh, Andy Crestadina from Orbit uh, Orbit Media Studios and Mark Schaefer, his website is Businesses Grow. Do check both of them out and you'll really get a good feel for where they're coming from. Andy, and, and, and if you said, look, I, I want to be an expert, what does an expert look like in terms of content? Go and see Andy, and he goes more in depth on digital marketing than most people will ever even think of doing. They give it all away, all away. And I know people have got an issue with giving away their expertise, but that's that's a whole different subject. Um, whereas if you read us a, a number of, of the posts done by Mark, and, and even check out his books, but you'll see the breadth of thinking and, and, and how there's a cohesion to it. That's the, the beautiful thing, there's a cohesion, and people follow him for his ideas and his insights and his thinking, um, and, that's, and that, that, that gets him, he's built a business, he's a speaker, he's a lecturer, he's, he's got 20 sources of income I read the other day. So there you go. When, if you get it right, um, things can go really well. Um, Ashley, thank you again. Um, how can people find you? LinkedIn, is that the best one? I, yep, yep, LinkedIn is a great place. I'm also on Twitter, at Ashley Foss. Um, I respond and hang out in both of those places. And you do respond to. Very engaged in, in the comments, which is fantastic. Alrighty, thank you very much. And, um, and follow, definitely uh, follow Ashley on LinkedIn and uh, get involved in the conversation with them. The reputation economy is here. The world today needs more genuine, credible experts and leaders to stand up and share their experience, their wisdom, their stories and ideas. Are you in?